Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Is going for a crown. Going for a crown. I've entitled, I've entitled this morning's sermon under that theme is The Wise Move. You know, we got one shot at this thing called life, and I think we want to make it count, amen? One shot. And so we're going to start by reading 2 Timothy chapter 4 in uh, verses 1 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. We read that. We have a word of prayer. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Of course, this is Paul's last letter that he wrote. This is the last chapter that Paul ever wrote. He was uh, very reliably, people have reported, that he was executed just shortly after writing this. So this is, if you ever think of what would your final words be if you had one day left? And I don't know if Paul knew exactly when it was going to come. He seemed to know that his time was coming to a close, certainly by what we're going to read today and some other references in his, in his epistle. Uh, but this is what he's writing. This is his, you can call it a swan song, you can say his final message. But these are the words that Paul leaves with us just before he leaves earth and he goes to heaven. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house on this Lord's day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that delivers the truth to our hearts and to our minds. Father, we pray that we'd be in a place where we're receptive for the wor- his working in us, Lord, help us uh, to be responsive uh, to the leading that, that you make uh, in our lives today. And Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings, for your presence. And Father, as always, we pray that if there be any here today that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Christ as their Savior, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Most important message ever given is, is that of salvation, amen? How can you know? I was brought up in a church where we didn't really talk about, you know, where are you going to go when you die? We all just kind of assumed you're going to be okay. Have you brought up in a similar kind of background? I mean, no one ever warned you. You know, you might not make it, or you might be in trouble, or this is what the Bible says. And when I found out how clear the biblical message is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, my heart exploded with joy, and yet I, it was coupled with the sense of, are you kidding me? No one ever told me this before. It's just, just not right. But we have a short time on earth, and uh, then we go, we stand before the Lord, 
and, uh, and, and, and so we want to be ready. We want to know that Jesus is our Savior, that we've, our sins have been forgiven. And kind of in, in line with that, this is like the next step. So the most important thing you could ever do on earth, bar none, you're going to hear it this morning, is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and ask God to forgive you. Absolutely the most important thing. I'm a, I'm a fairly creative guy. I don't pretend to be the smartest one in the room at all times, but I can't think of anything more important than that. It, with the universe of alternatives, there's nothing more important than that. So if you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ, please give it serious consideration. And, uh, but then along with that, and it's interesting, in Sunday school this morning, we talked about uh, considering Christ, that's a series. And then today we talked about consider his provision. And one of the things that we talked about this morning was we live with, the, with eternity in perspective. That's what we live for. That's what we live by. And this going for a crown is such an important point. And the first thing we're going to see is wanting a crown. If Paul says, and in this passage, we'll take it apart a little bit. Paul says to Timothy, now Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He loved Timothy. Timothy was brought up, he had a godly mother, a godly grandmother. Paul and Timothy met, I believe, on Paul's first missionary journey, although they weren't, didn't really dialogue until his second missionary journey. But I think he met on the first missionary journey. I think Timothy was really impressed with the price that Paul was willing to make when I believe he saw Paul stoned outside of Lystra. I think, I, my opinion, that's when they met. But they had an incredibly close relationship. Timothy was trained under the Apostle Paul. He had, of course, a godly mother, godly grandmother. And uh, so now he's a preacher. Paul's a, a, Timothy is now a preacher of the gospel, and Paul calls him my son Timothy, and he says, no, this is his last thing he's going to say. He's going to be leaving earth really soon. He doesn't say things like, make sure you save enough for retirement. Not a bad piece of advice, right? Not a bad piece of advice. That's not what he says. He doesn't say anything about marketing. He doesn't say anything about anything else. He says, I charge thee therefore, this is to his son in the faith, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in kingdom, What's he say? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Timothy, you can do a lot of things on earth, and he does do a lot of things on earth, I'm sure. The primary charge for Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, was preach the word. Proclaim the Bible. Proclaim the doctrines of the Bible. Pronounce and proclaim Christ crucified for the sins of the whole world. I mean, everybody needs to hear this. This is the word of reconciliation. He says, Timothy, no matter what you do, there's a lot of things. Uh, how many of you are, are parents? You've, you've got children or grandchildren or something. So a lot, of, a lot of us are out there. And our children can make us very happy and very proud by a lot of things that they do. I remember the first steps that they were taking and uh, you know, when, when they started singing gospel songs in the home. And those kinds of things really, really resonate with you. And say, oh, I'm so proud of them. The first time they, they made themselves known as, you know, servant of Christ in some way, shape, or form, the faithfulness of the church, that kind of thing. It's all very, very important. But boy, when you hear, and moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. You hear your son or your daughter proclaim the words of God. It might be, a gospel invitation. It might be an exhortation to someone, maybe to, in some biblical, relating some biblical principle. 
that really makes you proud in a good way. Not in an earthly, fleshly, fleshly way, but it really, really makes you proud. And Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Never let there be a time, Timothy, where you're afraid to preach the word of God, but preach it, preach it, preach it. Folks, we should be known as people of and by the book, amen? And he says specifically to Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. People want to hear what people want to hear. And you know, it's not always easy preaching the Bible, is it? I mean, people might come to you and they might say, you know, I'm a very religious person, I believe in God, I'm probably okay. And and we will, in the kindest way possible, but the clearest way possible, say, well, no, that's still, that's still coming short. See, you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You need to personally pray and ask God to forgive you for your sins and trust Christ. And on top of that, many other unsound doctrines. All you have to do is take a look at a lot of the church marketing that goes on these days. Well, I'm not saying everything new is bad by any stretch of the imagination. But the time will come, Paul said, and we see it in the age in which we live, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having its ears. So he's encouraging Timothy. He says in verse 4, They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. We can say a lot about these things, the fullness of the ministry and the joy that it is in serving the Lord. I, I remember I, I was at a public event one time and this lady stood up and said her claim to fame was she's a Sunday school teacher. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Amen? And now she was coincidentally an elected official. But her claim to fame was she was a Sunday school teacher. Good for you. Because that's where the importance really lies in our service for Christ. And Paul says to Timothy, along the same lines. But this idea of going for a crown really comes out in verses 7 and 8. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also love his appearing. The word crown or crowns appears is something like a hundred times. I, I should have noted it, but like a hundred times, there are a few different words that are translating the word crown. And they, mostly, they, they all basically speak of, of something that you know, wraps around your head. It may have an, a reference to glory or, or something like that. But Paul's saying, there, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But n- not to me only. But unto all them also, love is appearing. Folks, there's going to be a day when nothing else is going to matter. There's going to be a day when we will stand before God. We're not going to be in a crowd of people. We're not going to have, you know, your pastor or Sunday school teacher or Christian friends next year. It's going to be us before God. And what a sense of, there's a sense of judgment, obviously, that comes with that. Oh, my goodness. And I suppose there'll be a lot of people say, oh, you know, I wish I had done more, that kind of thing. We'll all have, you know, some of that, obviously. But what exhilaration, what rapture we'll feel at that day if the Lord, the righteous judge, gives to us by grace, obviously, it's his grace that enables us, a crown. Oh my goodness. All the struggles we went through to get that crown... They're nothing but a memory. 
we're going to say it was absolutely all worth it. And honestly, with the challenges that we go through, I, I just think of uh, the, all the Christians throughout, just in, uh, throughout the world today and throughout time in general who paid such a, a harder price than, than really most people in this room. And I'm not diminishing the price that, that, that is paid. But when you look at, we just read this morning, Brother John Mills talking about uh, how the people in the Muslim countries, they're being executed for naming the name of Christ. I, I, I want to tell you something. When I think of someone like that, if I, I don't know what the scene's going to be like on that day, but when they come up, I got a feeling you and I are probably just going to step to the side and salute when they come walking by. On earth, they paid such a price, the ultimate price, so many hundreds and millions of people throughout the years. But Paul says there's coming a crown, and it's going to be so worth it. This particular crown, Paul says, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord's going to give to him. Uh, and he says, and not to me only, not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. What a, a wonderful, wonderful event that's going to be. And the beautiful thing about this whole crown event is he tells us about it. How many of you would like a crown when you see Jesus? Say amen. 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 There's nothing better. There's nothing that will bring a greater sense of satisfaction than to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it, 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 again, we've got to let him work in our lives. We need to know that we're saved and serve him. But boy, what a day that's going to be. And he says specifically, and to all them also that love is appearing. You know, I can't help but leave that first point with this question. Are you looking for his appearing? Are you watching? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Verses 13 through 18, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There is coming a day, and we don't know when it's going to be, but the Lord is coming back. And he says there will be a crown for him. Now, he didn't see him come back, because he died a long time ago. But he says, Unto all them also love is appearing. And, and just for full context, it's not just what those people watching for his second coming, but it, it's those people watching like the Apostle Paul for his appearing, for, for standing before him. There's a crown of righteousness. So there's a crown, and uh, we need to go for a crown. You know, you got one shot at this thing called life. Amen? You know, who wants to waste it? Doesn't it make sense just to invest ourselves in something bigger than ourselves? I'm so glad. I'm so glad we know Jesus. Amen? I'm so thankful. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses. I'm not going to comment on all of them. We're just for context, 1 through 16. 16 being the operative thought here. Going for the crown. You know, it's one of those topics that we realize that if any good thing comes from us, it's really just the Lord's doing. It's just us not getting in the way as much sometimes. But, but Jesus... Uh, uh, presents the principle of being co-laborers with him. And he gives us this opportunity of being involved, of course, in his work and various things for an investment that cannot diminish, an investment that cannot be lost. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Going for the crown. Second point is getting a crown. So we want a crown. We desire a crown like the Apostle Paul talked about, then getting a crown. Matthew chapter 5, and we were just in Matthew chapter 6 this morning in Sunday school, 
Matthew chapter 5, the earlier portion of the Sermon on the Mount. The Bible says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine, just like that, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I don't know how you, think, you feel about that verse, but every time I read that, of course, I believe that God meant what he said and said what he meant. But there's always that part of us that says, well, I don't really want any glory, amen? Right? We're not looking for the applause of men. We're looking to please our Heavenly Father. We don't care that much about what other people say and that kind of thing. But in the course of serving God, in the course of following through what God would have us to do, he says, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We should be known, our reputations, we should be known by our reputation. And somebody once said, wouldn't it be nice if everybody knew you're a Christian by what you did as opposed by what you said? I remember thinking, well, that's, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we should, we're ambassadors for Christ. We have this, this treasure in earthen vessels and getting a crown, letting your light shine. It's just terrific. You know, again, we got one shot at life. You, you may not believe this, but I'm actually over 30. I know, you're shocked. I know you are. Like a couple times over 30. Oh. Life goes by really fast. Anyway, do we have anybody else here over 30? One or two, one or two, right? You know, it's, it's funny because when, when you're younger, and everybody thinks this way, it's like I mean, nobody really says this is going to last forever, but there's a sense of, you know, invincibility and, you know, things will go on forever. And one of the things that happens when you're younger, you have this sense of I have time. I have time. I don't really have to worry about this right now because I have time. And somehow these things will all get done because we have time. You know what you find when you've been, and it's not getting old, it's being young longer. I believe that. What you, what you realize by way of experience is time goes by really fast. And all of the things that you really wanted to do, that thought were super important as a young person, somehow they never happened. 
And if we don't put feet to our prayers and a pursuit to this passion of the crown, time will go by. We want to invest ourselves in things of God while we're young, whatever stage we're at. We're young, super young, middle young, younger for a longer time, whatever it may be. Investing ourselves in these things that really matter and getting a crown. So we want a crown. I do. I really do. I really do. I don't like boasters. You, ever, you know boasters? They boast about just about everything. I, I've known people who could boast about their humility. I mean, it's just crazy. I hope we're never boasters. We, never, we don't want to be boasters. And so we're not, we don't serve the Lord because someday we might get a crown or someday we'll say, oh, what a great person they were. What a great person they were. But we're going to see on the last point, that's never the goal. It's never for our own benefit, but it's merely a plan of God that we can give the, all the glory back to him. But getting a crown, letting your light so shine before men, super important. It's just, we want people to know, how can you tell someone's a Christian? Well, you can tell by what they do, right? Where they go, their general manner of life, very clearly, their perspective and proclamation of the gospel, amen? That's a pretty good way of telling I want people to know. And we're not looking for glory, as I said, but we want people to know. We want people to know that we are not ashamed ever to name the name of Christ. There's no glory in ourselves. We're just following a perfect Savior. And that's what it's all about, getting a crown. And lastly, in Revelation chapter 4, see, this is the whole thing about crowns. It's, it's not for ourselves it's not so there'll be a big show and you can walk very humbly before the Lord and he'll give you these crowns. And everybody says, oh, what a good person they were. The crowns, these areas of service, which by the way, most of what we do, people don't see anyway. We don't do it for show. But this pursuit of service, this pursuit of a love for God, these things, for the things that really matter, makes a huge difference. A lot of it will be unseen. But any crown that God will give, we give back to him. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, casting our crowns. So we want a crown, we want to get a crown, and then what do we do once we get them? We give them right back to him. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. 
And the four beasts had each of them six wings round about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts, now picture the scene. It's a very supernatural scene. I, and I, I'm, I'm reading some kind of larger passages than usual in context for a particular point. But the context is really important here. This is eternity. This is the perfection of, of heaven and glory. And it just, sometimes you read about things on earth, it's like men were there and they kind of mess things up a little bit. Well, this is heaven. And he says in verse 10, and those beasts, those beings, those beasts, gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne which liveth forever and ever. The four, and this is where it all gets very appropriate, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying in verse 11, cut that off, excuse me, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. What are we going to do with our crowns? We're going to cast them back to the Lord Jesus Christ to win the victory. We see, we see some sports figures. I like watching sports. I, 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 I don't know. I don't have the patience to watch whole games anymore. I just go to the five-minute highlights. I can figure out everything that really happened. All the other stuff is boring anyway. How many of you are like that? If you watch it, it's the recount. Have you liked the whole games? You like watching the whole games? Okay, that's like one person. <laughs> and everybody else couldn't care less. Well, I like the highlight reel because you can see all this stuff really fast and you're done with it. And you see some events. I saw some world's greatest football catches, world's greatest baseball catches. You ever see that pitch that the baseball, the pitcher made, one in a trillion chance of ever happening? He pitches a ball and he hits and kills a bird. That was flying. How many of you saw that? All right, see? I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing. So you look at things and I say, that's my pitcher. That's my catcher. That's my running back. That's my team. We get excited about that. Militarily, we look back, we, we have respect, and we give honor to the men and women that serve in the military. And we read about some of their exploits. I've talked to a lot of people who have been to, uh, to the Middle East with uh, Iraq and Kuwait and, and, and not Iran, but with different battles they were in. Uh, and, and just, you know, against what seemed to be insurmountable odds, what made the real difference was <laughs> we were trained and they weren't. And so they won an awful lot. And I read things like that, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, that's just terrific. I'm so glad they got back safely. I'm so glad they won. That's wonderful. You don't like war. Nobody likes war. But I'm glad they won. I think they're the good guys, and I'm glad they won. Good for them. We read about things like that, and, and we're, just, we're in awe at, at the bravery and the heroics and the strength that they muster up to carry on such a task. Well, now we're on a completely higher level. Now we're talking about, see, if you want to be in the military and you want to go rescue a village from some you know, bad people with guns, right? Well, you've got to be trained, you've got to be pretty fast, you need a lot of physical capabilities that honestly we probably don't have, right? But on this, in this economy with the crowns, in this economy with giving the crowns back to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to be the one that can do 100 push-ups in two minutes. <laughs> Amen. Or how about 100 sit-ups? Or run a mile and uh, 20 miles with six-minute averages? We don't have to do that. You don't have to be the best sharpshooter. 
You don't have to be the strongest person. You just need to be a man or a woman of God. With the area that we have, my areas of, of service will be different from yours. Limits, availabilities, whatever it may be, they'll all be different. But God knows where we are. God knows who we are. And he knows what we have to work with. And, and getting those crowns, serving the Lord, the, one of the best things is going to be if God actually gives us a crown. Oh, you just want to melt. And what's going to seem so natural when that moment finally hits is giving it back to him, giving him the honor and the glory. Like he said in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 4, for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Getting a crown, it's, it's, it's all about the crown. And we want it. We want to make our lives count. And that's what it all comes down to, living with the sense, living our lives now with that sense of eternity in view. Lord, what would you have me to do? Well, what are you, what are you telling me today? Through your word, how can I respond in such a way that I would demonstrate? Well, I, I hear what you say, and I believe what you say. And I want to just encourage you one last time that you know, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would... I, I, I hesitate because I don't want to ever rush anyone through, through, through a prayer or through a decision. But at the same time, I never want to be neglectful to encourage people to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Most important step you'll ever take. and Because uh, we're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you. I'm no more saved. I'm a pastor over 30 years. I'm no more saved because I've been pastoring for th over 30 years, over the person who, who just got saved, the child in Sunday school, the, the person down the street. No more saved. You can't add to your salvation. But by trusting Christ as Savior, let's, let's power We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.